I love her. Good morning, Journey. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are seeing God work in your life and excited about what he's doing. And as the worship team sang that you were just resonating, I'm free, free, forever I'm free. What a great truth that we can claim. And I'm so thankful that we have this time where we can come together and claim that and celebrate that. And I hope that today's message will go along with that so that you'll even understand that even greater. Let me just say thank you. Thank you to all those that donated. Thank you for all those that volunteered. Thank you for those that just helped in any way for our Tools for Teachers yesterday. We had teachers come from many different schools. We had almost 200 teachers that came, and they were loved on and prayed over and it was just neat hearing teacher after teacher say, thank you. We feel so appreciated. This is great. And it happened because of you guys. And I want to say a special thank you to our outreach team. They do a phenomenal job in putting all this together. And we are just blessed with a great outreach team and great volunteers. We had over 50 volunteers working here yesterday. And so just a lot. And so we just want to say thank you. Be praying for our teachers. Some of them filled out cards, prayer cards, things they would like to have somebody just pray for them throughout the school year. So we would like for you to have that opportunity. You, maybe you say, I couldn't be here yesterday. Or I would like to just stand with a teacher in prayer. So back at Next Steps, we have a three-by-five index card that you can just stop by and pick up. And, and please, don't just pick it up and pray for them today. But I hope you'll take that and put it on your refrigerator, on your mirror, wherever, and be praying for them continually because as we prayed over them yesterday, we want to be uh, like the ones that came up beside Moses and held his hands up during the battle. And when his hands were lifted, the battle was successful. And our teachers need people that will come alongside and say, we're here to help you. We're here to support you. And so I hope you'll help do that and be praying for our teachers and for our students as they begin this year. Because church, let's face it, as we've seen, unfortunately, recently with the events in El Paso and in Dayton, there, there's a, a lot of hate, isn't there? There's a lot of evil. And here's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to cower and fear and say, you know what, I just won't say anything. But I want to challenge you as children of God. He said that he is the light of the world, right? And as we are belonging to him, we are his light. Folks, I want you to, to so shine the light of Christ that others will see it. And so I want to give you that challenge that in your communities, in your areas of influence, that you would so shine the light and love of Christ that people will see it. We put a huge spotlight yesterday through our Tools for Teachers, but we want that to continue. And it's up to each of us to say, you know what? Jesus set me free, and I want others to know that freedom, and I want others to know that he loves them, and he wants to set them free. So I hope that you'll kind of take that up and say, we're going to shine the light of Christ because how do you overcome darkness? With light, and we have the greatest light, and that's Jesus Christ. So I hope that will give you a challenge. Well, the month of July has come to an end. Believe it or not, it's August. And with July, we had great success in our serve days, and thank you for all those that helped to serve in so many different ways all throughout our community. And we, we did the sermon series, Heart to Serve. Remember our sign, right, to show the, the love of Christ, that we're allowing that to shine through us. But now we're, we start a new series. And I just felt challenged of God to, to do it on God says you are. God says you are, question mark. Now, you notice the, the symbol that we have up here, the graphic. You can kind of make out a little bit about the person, but, but you can't see who it is clearly. You see some things behind them. You see a lot of darkness around them, but you can't really tell a lot about that person just from that picture. If we were saying, hey, have you ever seen this person before? You go, who is it? And sometimes when you look in the mirror, you ever wonder, who am I? Sometimes I'm joyful. Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes, man, the love of God just radiates through me. And other times I'm just 
struggle to get through the day. Who am I? And, and you can go to other people and we can have that conversation and go to people and say, hey, when you see me, who do you see? What do you think of? How would you describe me? And it's great to have friends that will help to speak truth into your life. But you know, you've got those people that will tell you what you want to hear, right? But sometimes that doesn't always help us. Sometimes you might look and you might say, you know what? I'm fat. Let me ask you a question. What makes fat, fat? Kathy and I were talking to somebody yesterday and they said, I've got to lose weight. I'm telling you, if they have 2% body fat, I would be surprised. I would not, I would not tell them or describe them as fat. What is it about our life that we can put confidence in? Not just what people describe us as or think about us, but what does God say? Because folks, people, people's opinions will change. One person that tells you you're awesome today will tell you they hate you tomorrow when circumstances change. But the creator, the one who gave you life, what does he say about you? And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at what God says you are. Not what man, not what your spouse, not what your kids. What does God say you are? And today, we're going to go back to the very beginning. We're going to go back to the very foundation, the very building blocks of our faith. Because I think sometimes it's easy for Christians to misunderstand. It's easy to throw lingo around and not really know what that means. Okay? Now, let me show you how easy that is. How many of you know what LOL means? Okay, that's been around for a while. What does LOL mean? Laugh out loud. All right, now I'm going to ask you to be honest. How many of you, years ago, when that first was thrown around, thought it meant love online? Anybody ever believe that or hear that? That was a very popular thing. People was like, well, that means love online. No. So when you, somebody would put, hey, how are you, LOL? They put, they're telling me they love me. No, that's misunderstanding what was being said, right? There are times that we think we understand what something is happening, what's taking place, but we find, no, I totally was on the wrong page. So we're gonna go back to the very foundation and make sure we have a clear understanding. And so I hope this will help you that maybe some of you are struggling with this, it'll give you confidence. For those of you that maybe know nothing about this, you will commit to this. And that's our first statement is this. God says you are a sinner. Now notice it doesn't say Randy says you are a sinner. It doesn't say a denomination says you are a sinner. God, the creator, the almighty, says you are a sinner. You say, Randy, how do you know who the you refers to? If you can read that statement, it refers to you. If you can't read that statement, it applies to you. God says you are a sinner, but I want to give you this hope as we go through. But Jesus' blood can change that. You don't have to stay a sinner. You don't have to say, well, God doesn't want me. Oh, my friend, he does. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. God loves you that much. He wants you. He wants you to change from being a sinner to being a child of his. But we have to understand what that is. Otherwise, we don't understand the terms. And therefore, we miss out on the victory. We miss out when the worship team sings that we're free. Sometimes we say, man, I wish that were true, but you don't know my past. It doesn't matter. If you're in Christ, you can sing that song. But there's a lie that we have to expose. There's a lie that keeps us from understanding that. And this lie is this. I am intrinsically good. I'm not bad. I'm good. I'm a good person. Do I have some bad things? Yeah, but intrinsically, I'm good. 
In other words, if we just give you enough time, the good will win. God will say, hey, wow, come on in. Yeah, you're great. If we just leave you alone, then the goodness will come through and the good will outweigh the bad and you'll be granted into heaven. Now, here's how we test this, okay? If I say to you and if you say to others, when you die and you stand at the gate of heaven and Jesus is there and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would be your reply? Just think in your mind. Would you say, well, Lord, compared to everybody else, I did pretty well. I tried to love my wife. I tried to support my kids. I tried to be a good community servant. I tried to do all those things. So, Lord, I, I believe I'm pretty good. I, I believe the good outweighs the bad. See, you just made salvation about you and not Jesus. You're trying to focus on the good rather than on the Christ. And so if we believe that lie, then we're like, well, I don't really need Jesus. I don't really need church. I, I, can, I can make it. And folks, that's a lie. You are not, listen to me carefully, you are not intrinsically good. You say, Randy, I, I find offense to that. I'm gonna show you from scripture why God says you're not intrinsically good. So when we understand that, it's like, so it's not a matter of comparing how much bad I've done versus how much good I've done. No, it's about Jesus Christ. In fact, if you think that's true, listen to what Isaiah says about your statement. Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean. Now, let me go ahead and define for you what all means. All means all, and that's all all means. Okay? So anytime you read the word all, that's you. Okay? You don't sit there and go, yeah, that's my wife, that's my husband. Nope, that's you. All, everyone, okay? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds, our good deeds, are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Now let me help explain this truth so you get it, okay? Have you ever been like working in the yard and gotten really sweaty? I mean, I'm talking the kind that you just stink. The kind where you can't stand yourself stink. You know what I'm saying? You, you work, maybe you're working on a car or maybe you're mowing the yard or working on a farm, whatever the case, and you just stink. And so you come in, and, and this happens in our house quite a bit when I get to that point. I'll come up to Kathy and be like, hey, sweet. She goes, do not touch me. Go take a shower. So what if I say, okay, I'll go, I'll go get cleaned up. So I go into our bedroom, go and take off the nasty clothes, and I put on fresh, clean clothes. Did you notice I didn't do something? I didn't take a shower. I just put on new clothes, clean clothes. And I come back out, do you think Kathy's gonna be like, oh, there we go. And she's gonna say, man, you still stink. You can put on good clothes, but it doesn't cover up the stench. Listen to me, church. When you understand intrinsically you're not good, you can put on good works, but the stench is still there. Make sense? That's what Isaiah is saying. All of, if we try to do good on our own, apart from Jesus Christ, it still stinks. It is polluted garments. So how do we change from being a sinner, which is an enemy of God, to being saved, which is a child of God? How, do, how does that process work? Now, church, we have to understand how God sees it and how God requires it. We can't do it and say, well, here's what I think. Here's what I've heard. Here's what I've done. No, what does God say? Because church, when we understand this, it brings great freedom. Here's my goal, church. After 
seeing what God says. And I'm going to give you a ton of verses so you can see it's a God thing, not a Randy thing. Here's my goal. At the end, every single one of you will believe what God says and you'll be able to say, I am a child of God. No doubts, no reservations, no hesitancy. I am a child of God. I am free from sin. I am alive to Christ. If we understand what God says, you can have that confidence. If you don't have that confidence today, then let's see what God says so you can have that confidence. The first thing that you have to do is this. You have to agree with God that you are wrong. Do you like to admit you're wrong? We can find many other ways to explain, well, I'm not really wrong, I was just misguided. Well, if you'd been clear in your instructions, then I would have understood. We hate to admit that we're wrong. So when we say, okay, I've got to admit with God, I've got to agree with God that I'm wrong, that's, that's something. But I want you to see that it's more than just looking at actions. It's more than just, okay, what have I done? Because maybe you say, well, you know, I'm not really that bad. I haven't killed anybody. I, I haven't cheated on my wife or my husband. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Remember, all of our goodness, apart from Jesus, still stinks. So what does it mean that you're wrong? Well, we use the word sin, right? We talk about you're a sinner. Remember, God says you're a sinner. So what does sin actually mean? Well, in Hebrew, the word is hata. Now, there are many words in Hebrew for sin because you have the sin of omission, the sin of commission. You have the sin. There's many different deg degrees or types of sins. But the generic term that deals with any type of sin is hata. And the Greek is hamartia. Both of them mean to miss the mark or to go astray. To miss the mark or to go astray. It doesn't say, well, you did five bad things, so now you're a sinner. No, it means you're going the wrong way. Psalm 14.3 says it to us this way. They have all turned aside. Okay, church, remember that definition for all? They have all turned aside, going the wrong way. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. You say, oh, Randy, right there's the flaw. I've done good things. Well, yeah, but you have to look at that verb, does. It means this, one who does only good, who continually does good. In other words, who never does wrong. Ah, but I want you to, to focus on that first part. They have all turned aside. They've quit following God and they turned aside. In the Garden of Eden, when, when the devil appeared and tempted Adam and Eve, that moment they took of the fruit and took a bite, they turned away from God and turned to the enemy. And listen to me, church, humanity stays turned towards that without Jesus Christ. Regardless how good you are, regardless of all things you've done, we've turned now towards the enemy. Remember, that's why God had to put cherubim around the tree of life to protect humanity because we were going the wrong way. If he hadn't and we partook, then it would be, we would be doomed towards that. But God in his love protected us so that a way could come that would deliver us and we could be turned around. When I was coming to church this morning, I was coming down by a speedway and the golf course and coming down there across the railroad tracks to turn right to come to church. And so I, nobody was coming, so I turned around. Well, I saw this truck driver that was headed towards downtown. Now, he didn't have a trailer on. He just had his truck. But he was headed that way, and he realized, for whatever reason, he was going the wrong way. And he tried to do a U-turn on Fayetteville Street. 
way. And instead of waiting, he said, no, I'm going to turn around right now. And he turned around so he could be going the right way. Okay? That's what we're talking about with sin is you're going the wrong way. Now, notice this in that verse, all and no one are extensive words. It means this, it includes everyone. No one is exempt. All are part. Psalms 51.5 says this to us, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So here's what happens, church. Because of the sin of Adam, it is passed down through every person born. But not just when you come into this earth and the doctor slaps your backside and you cry. Notice what it says, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Life starts at conception. Sin starts at conception. Do you see that? So everyone, everyone who's ever been born has the sin problem. You're going, Janice's little girl, Olivia. She's the smilingest baby I've ever seen. She was here yesterday with her mom and dad, and, and you'd say something to her, and she'd just smile. And even as sweet and adorable as she is, guess what? She's a sinner because she was conceived in sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So here's something we need to understand today, church, is this. Sin is not an action problem. It's a heart problem. You don't look at yourself and go, am I a sinner because I have more sin than good? Or No, it's not an action thing. It's a heart. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you see the all? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Sin entered humanity through Adam. If you are hearing me today, you are a sinner. You say, Randy, you don't know me. It's my first time here. If you can hear me, you are a sinner. Now, folks, you can go and, but can I tell you this? I was born a sinner. It's a heart issue, not an action issue. And when we understand that, then we see humanity, rather than looking at people and going, well, they look pretty good. They look like they're, they're all right. We have to look and say, which direction are you headed? There's only two directions, church, by the way. There's not multiple directions. There's only two directions. Either you're still focused on the enemy and headed that way, or you've been set free and you're focused on Christ. That's the only two ways. So we have to accept, first of all, I agree with God. God, I'm wrong. I am going the wrong way. But how do I get going the right way? Well, the second point is this. You have to agree that Jesus' blood was necessary for you. Notice the key word, necessary. Not beneficial, not a good thing, not a, you know, it's an all right thing to have. It was necessary for you. Because if you don't understand that, then you think, I can still get there on my own. And I never could. Look at what Romans 3 tells us. Whom God put forward as a propitiation, a person to make our payment by his blood. Notice his what? Blood. Church, notice how many times the word blood is going to be shown to you today. To be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay, let's look at the word justified, okay? It's a legal term. It means to be declared right. 
Now, in my birth state, in my original state, if I was to go before God, God would say, Randy, you are guilty. You were going the wrong way. You are guilty. And I would be given a sentence of an eternity apart from him. The term hell, right? But Jesus came so I didn't have to be declared that way so that I could be given a different way so that I could be with him so that I could be righteous and so he says that he might be just and the justifier of the one, okay? When, when you see the phrase, the one, put your name in there. Let me show you how it works. That Jesus might be just and the justifier of Randy who has faith in Jesus. How did I get justified? Because Randy prayed a really good prayer. Absolutely not. I became justified, I became saved, go back to the beginning of the verse, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his what? Blood. Jesus just couldn't say, Randy, I, I'll just forgive you. I'll just uh, say it's all right and you can come to heaven. Because folks, life is in the blood, right? You can have a great heart, you can have a great brain, you can have great organs, but if you don't have blood, you're dead. So why was the blood so important and why was it so crucial in the Old Testament? Because it was the source of life. It was one life for another. Jesus came and gave his blood, his life, so that we could have eternal life. Do you see that? And if I don't get that and I just say, okay, well, so you're just telling me if I just say a prayer, then I'll be saved and I'll be okay. Folks, that prayer means nothing without the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what secures my position. That's what secures my salvation. Look at what it says in Romans 5, 9 and 10. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. See, shown again. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. See, my salvation is based upon me being justified by his blood. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his sin, paid the price, but because he was the perfect sacrifice, God raised him from the dead. So therefore, by his life, I know I have life. See how that works? How do I know following and I believe? And maybe you're struggling and go, man, you know, when I was seven or 10 or 15, I don't remember what I prayed. Folks, my challenge to you is, what are you following today? What is it you're resting in today? Is it the blood of Christ? So when Jesus meets me at the gates of heaven, he says, Randy, why should you let me in? Because Jesus, you paid for my place. It's not, well, Jesus, you came and paid for my place. And, and also, I did these other things. No, it's Jesus alone. Very clear. And by his life, now we know that we have life. Justification by faith through his blood. Folks, one of the most powerful things about that statement is the punctuation at the end justification God saying you are righteous you are clear by faith I don't get a certificate copy of that I believe what God said through his blood so I have God's position on me I have my position on God and it is sealed through the blood of Jesus period not plus Randy being a good person and being a pastor no period any other way is empty and pointless. Church, salvation is when you realize Jesus gave his blood on Calvary, gave his life so you could have life. Ephesians 1, 7 says it this way. In him, in Christ, we have redemption. How? Through his blood, not just because Jesus was a good person, not just because Jesus healed the sick, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of 
his grace. Colossians 1 says this, verses 12 through 16, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Oh, church, don't miss that truth. Jesus didn't just save you for you to just exist and get by. Here's what he saved you for, to be and to have a share, to be part of the inheritance of the saints in light. Folks, the day I got saved, the darkness fled and the light came in. I follow the light. I no longer am bound to darkness. That's what Jesus set us free for. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgivable, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. You say, Randy, why'd you put that last screen up there? Because the creator has the right to determine the process. Did you hear what I said? To set the circumstances, and he says, the way to redemption, the way to be justified, the way to be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.22 says it pretty clearly to us. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Why? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. If Jesus had not shed his blood, we could not have forgiveness of sin. You see why Calvary is so important? Because he had to do that for us. He couldn't just come down and go, hey, I'm the son of God. Have you ever thought about this? If we were looking just for perfection, Jesus was perfect. Jesus could have said, listen, Father, I am your son. I am perfect. I have never sinned. So therefore, I declare these folks to be righteous. But he couldn't do that because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. God wasn't willing to bend the rules even to spare his son because his blood had to be required because that's where the life is. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. 1 Peter 1 tells it to us this way, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Again, sin passed down, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Works have no value without faith through the blood. You say, Randy, how do, how do you know you're saved? Do I go back and say, well, when I was seven, I prayed this prayer and I prayed it so eloquently and I meant it so much? No. Folks, I'm saved today because the blood of Christ has been applied to my life. I realized I was going the wrong way. I recognized I was a sinner. How did I know I was a sinner? Because I was born. And I recognized the only way to do a U-turn, the only way to go in the way of God was through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what do I claim today for salvation? It's not my prayer, it's not my actions, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I have confidence today. John tells it to us this way in 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Church, there's some of you that need to hear this truth today. His blood washes away all sin. But Randy, you don't know my past. I don't have to. You don't know what I've done. It's not necessary. Jesus' blood washes away all sin. He doesn't have an interview process. Well, before you can be saved, I need to make sure that you're in the right direction. You got a right frame of mind. So let's do it. No. He says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Can, can I deal with that for just a second? 
What does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? Does that mean the prayer? No. That means the change of focus. Now, my wife will tell you I'm pretty stubborn. I like to try to do something my own. And there's times that I've been doing something and she's like, Randy, just, just take a break. Nope, I'm gonna get this. It's not gonna whip me. I'm gonna get it. And instead of asking for help, or getting, no, I'm gonna do it. And church, some of you, when it comes to salvation, you're trying to do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna earn it. I'm gonna be a better person. I'm gonna do a better thing. I'm gonna get it. No. My salvation, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I get it. I'm headed to hell. I'm following the enemy. But Jesus came to die. And only through his blood, taking away my sin, can I ever be turned towards you and now become a follower of Jesus. So whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord is this, Lord, I ask for the blood of Jesus to be applied to my life. And the Bible says when that happens, you are saved. Amen. You're not saved because of the prayer. You're saved because of the blood. And no matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done, because remember, sin is not about an action, it's about a heart. He will forgive you and wash away all your sin. And maybe there's some of you here today and maybe some that are, are watching through our live feed that you've been trying to do it your own. You've been trying to be better. You've been trying to be a, a nicer, cleaner person of yourself. And you're growing frustrated, going, I just don't feel like it's making a difference because it's not. It's just like putting on the fresh clothes, but you still stink. Jesus is saying, recognize my blood is the only way for you to become a follower, for you to get on the right path, to not miss the mark, but to aim straight for Jesus. That's why the writer of Hebrews said this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My friend, can I invite you today to come to Jesus? Can I invite you today to come to him? Put aside your works, put aside what you think you have to do and just recognize and just say, Lord, I ask you to apply your blood, your sacrifice to me. And I believe by faith, I don't get a written receipt of that happening. I don't, Lord, I trust what you say. And I believe, and I follow you. Folks, it's a decision you'll never regret. It's a decision that not only will change you today, it changes you for eternity, because you're now a follower of Jesus Christ. But I want to help some of you in a third area, because some of you might say, Randy, I, I, I've done that, I think I've done that. But it's just like I'm back doing some of the things that I used to do before. I just kind of feel like I'm still struggling with that. Well, let me give you the third point, and that's this. Agree that your life belongs to God. Agree that your life belongs to God. Now, I want to demonstrate something. You guys already met my better half, my beloved. And I won't make you stand up, but I ask you to hold your hands. So the day we got married, we stood before the preacher like this. And he said, Randy, do you take Kathy to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, through sickness and through health, through richer for poor? You guys know. And I looked into her eyes and I said, I do. And she looked in my eyes and she said, I do. He said, by the power invested in me in the state of North Carolina, but most importantly, by Almighty God, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss your bride. And I gave her a kiss. And we walked down the aisle together. See, we're married. I've got the certificate. 
But what if during the reception, I told Kathy, I said, hold on just a second. I'll, I'll be back in a minute. And I went over to a young lady that was there, and I said, hey, what are you doing later this evening? Is that good? I'm married. But you see, the moment that Kathy and I got married, as we talked about before, the two become one, right? But sometimes, church, we don't act like it in our marriage, do we? So it's no wonder we struggle with it in our relationship with Christ. Because Christ often refers to his relationship with us like he does to a marriage. And listen to me, church, I say this to you with all love and care. He saved you so you don't have to go towards the way of death, so you don't have to go to the way that will rob you of every joy in your life. Why in the world, church, do we want to get back on that path? Why do we want to sit there and go, okay, Lord, I know you love me and stuff, but man, I just want to, I want to get drunk one more time. I just want to have one more relationship with somebody outside my marriage. I just want to cheat a little bit. I just want to, why? No wonder sometimes we don't feel saved because church, we don't act saved. Does that make sense? Look at what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that to be true. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. Church, the way that you enjoy the relationship with him is when you say, man, I've been set free. Devil, I want nothing else to do with you. And Jesus, I follow you completely. Let me tell you, church, and I can just tell you from personal experience, when I'm following Jesus, not just with my actions, but with my heart, I have no doubt. I'm sitting there going, God, thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you. I have that relationship. But listen to me. On those moments where I give in to the flesh, on those moments where I say, Lord, hold on just a second. I want to walk this way for a little bit. He says this to me, Randy, in you is my spirit, right? We know that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes within us. And who the Lord loves, he chastens. And he says, Randy, I love you too much to let you keep going down that path. That's where that guilt comes in. That's where those things happen because he's saying, why are you going that path again? Get back with me. That's why I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's talking to Christians, by the way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, his payment, his blood brings life. Sin only brings death. Why would we wanna go back that route? John 10, 27 through 29 says this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, see, here's where this is the good phrase of the no one. It's not no one does good. This is no one will snatch them out of my hand. You see, my security rests in the blood of Christ, not in my good things. Keep that in mind. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. How can I say to you today that if I know if I died right now, I'd be in the presence of God because I rest in the blood of Jesus Christ? Not in my ability to do good things, and to, but in the blood of Christ. And he says, how does the Father give us to him? Through his blood. So if you have the blood of Christ, if you have accepted that and applied it to your life, he says, you belong to me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? See, there's what we're talking about, the spirit within us, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. You see, being bought 
means we are set free. I don't have to do those sinful things anymore. And church, there's some of you that say, I can't help but get angry. I can't help but have a quick temper. I can't help. My friend, if you have the blood of Christ on you, you don't have to do those things. You've been set free. Don't believe another lie of the enemy that says you can't change it. You can't, but God can. Trust him for it. Because our living for him reveals our understanding his sacrifice. It's not a matter of do the good works outweigh the bad? No. He gave his life for me. How can I not follow him? Revelation 21.7. If you say, Randy, does, does all this really matter? Well, yeah, it does. Revelation 21.7 says this. The one who conquers. Church, how do you conquer? You have the blood of Christ. It's not by, well, I did good things. No, the one who believes what God said, who sees that truth and applies the blood of Christ, the one who conquers will have his heritage. You say, Randy, I got saved and I don't feel like anything changed. It's not your heritage yet. It's not your heritage yet. It's not his kingdom yet. That's coming. We'll have his heritage and I, look at this, and I will be his God and he will be my son. Look, he doesn't say, well, I'll let you in. I'll let you stay with the animals. No, he says, you will be my child. The book of life are those to whom Jesus has given life through their faith in his blood. Do you see the importance of the blood? It's not about you. It's not about, did you mean it when you prayed it? It's not about what phrases did you use? Did you? No, it's about understanding without his blood, I have no hope. So I came a point in my life where I realized that and I have been following him because of his blood. Unless you see that you were born with a nature contrary to God, you don't understand that only God can provide the way for you to be reconciled to him. You can never do it on your own. Without Jesus shedding his blood on Calvary, we could never belong to God. And we would be separated from him eternally. Church, you know, I always like to end on the positive. Praise God that if, as I started out the message and said, if you can hear me, understand you are a sinner. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Jesus' blood can set you free. Praise God that we can be redeemed. We can be bought back by the blood of Christ and belong to him as his sons and daughters. Church, I stand here today confidently. Not confident in myself because my, my heart is deceitful. My ways, my flesh, I'm still battling. I don't stand here confident in Randy Kelly. Church, I stand here confident in the blood of Christ. And I can tell you, without hesitancy, without worry, I'll be with him one day because of his blood. And church, if you don't have that confidence today, you can. Maybe you're here and you say, I've never heard about the blood of Christ. I've never heard about a relationship with Jesus. And my friends, you can be saved today. You can be redeemed. You can be justified. You can belong to God. If you'll say, I realize I am a sinner. I realize it's a heart issue. It's not just about who does good and who does bad. It's a heart issue. It's a direction issue. But God, today, I recognize that you sent Jesus for me. So today, I trust in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and I want to head towards him. Today, you can become a follower of Jesus Christ. What an opportunity. And we invite you to. Maybe you're here and you say, Randy, I... I've just been struggling with some things. I've just, well, let me ask you. First, are you trusting in the blood alone? If you are, are you living like a follower of Christ or have you been following the enemy and listening to him? And today you say, I don't, devil, I'm done with you. I'm following Jesus. Will you leave here a follower of Jesus Christ because he shed his blood for you? Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. Thank you, Father, that we can have that confidence. 
Father, we have to be honest and see, it, see us as you do. If we try to overlook that, then, Father, we don't do ourselves any favor. But, Father, today, we agree that man is born sinners. But we're so thankful that that's not the end of the story. But his blood can set us free. His blood can redeem us if we'll just trust in him. If we'll just claim it for our lives and follow him. Father, may you find us today following Jesus. For it's in his name we ask it, amen. Church, the challenge is clear. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Are you resting and trusting in the blood of Christ alone for salvation? If not, he invites you today. Because remember, his blood washes away all sin. But you gotta come to him and receive it. And we'd love for you to know Jesus as your savior. And, and if you wanna make that decision, we encourage you when you leave to stop by Next Steps. There'll be people there that can talk with you and pray with you and give you resources to help you to grow because there's no greater joy than in following Jesus Christ. And today can be the day of your salvation. But to those that are struggling, those that say, Randy, I know I'm saved, but I've just been tempted, I've just been taking steps the wrong way, then his spirit has challenged you today. He's called you out. And will you confess that? And as his word says, if you'll confess it, he'll forgive you and cleanse you of it. Church, what a difference in our lives, in our homes, in our community, if each of us will be true followers of Jesus Christ. During the second song, the usher team will be coming. Please, if this is your first time here, we did not invite you to try to get money from you. We wanted you to come and hear about Jesus, so feel free to let the bucket pass. But church, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you?